Welcome in, everybody, to a Monday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris. Now, usually Monday is a Mark and John venture, but Mark is out running his golf tournament, so he's got plenty going on today. So I got the show, and I got plenty for you. In our next segment, we're going to talk with Chris Level, the other Chris Level. Tonight, in fact, in about, oh, I don't know, a couple hours, Texas Tech is playing for the national championship for the first time ever. And Chris Level is a good buddy of mine. He is the color analyst for the basketball team. He's also a silent reporter for the football team. So we're going to have Chris on. We're going to talk about the experience. So he's joining me. He joined me earlier this afternoon. But I know that he is getting ready and amped up for the game tonight. So we're going to talk to him a little bit. We'll have Drew in the last segment as well. But to kick off the show, it's my good friend, D.P. Sitter. D.P., how you doing? I'm great, Johnny. I can't wait to hear that interview, by the way. Yeah, Chris Exciting is the best. We've been When we started uh, 1560 a long time ago, we did a thing called Cod Football Wednesdays. And so we were trying to find guys from all different local teams. And, and so somebody from Texas Tech suggested Chris Level from Red Raider Sports. And we're like, yeah, okay. We didn't know Chris at the time. And so we did radio with him forever. Whenever he came to Houston to do something, you know, we would go see him. I mean, he's just – he's fantastic. And I kept thinking about him because they made him the color analyst for basketball a few years ago. And I can only imagine what he's going through. Like How what exciting. today right. must be like <laughs> to think about – because I think about that, about the Super Bowl. Like what if we were in the Super Bowl? Like what would that day like leading up to the Super Bowl, like what would it be like the week leading up to it? The two weeks All would be that. I mean, like what would that be like? I mean, at least – you know, they played on Saturday and played really well in the second half in particular. But, I mean, just calling a Final Four game, too. I can imagine the days leading up to that must have been unbelievable as well. So uh, we'll talk to Chris. I'm pretty excited to talk to him. And, of course, they've got a new football coach, new football program, so we'll kind of get his thoughts to keep it football-oriented, if you will. But looking forward to Texas Tech and Virginia tonight. Uh, I know Virginia took out your uh, Purdue Boilermakers, which was sad. Oh, those games were heartbreakers, Johnny. It's like back to back. The Tennessee game went into overtime, um, and then the Virginia I just the Virginia game just felt like deja vu. I just really <laughs> thought Purdue was going to pull it out, and I was just it was I was really devastated. I was actually cheering for Michigan State because I you know I cheer for Big Ten. So yeah, I'm equally you happy kept it for the Texas. Big Ten family. I do, but then you know I've lived in Texas long enough that That's I true. you know I'm mildly it keeps you interested at least. Watch I, your teams out. I thought the best thing was Purdue's best player was from Metascasita. I know Carson Edwards, who was. Unbelievable. Well, you know, that my, game. my husband totally took credit for that for some reason. He's like, "Well, it's because their best players from Texas." From you know, he said from Houston. Yeah. I said Atascacita, Houston. He's like, "It's like a it suburb. Counts. It's like a suburb." It of counts. Houston. Yeah. I mean, you know, when when you get outside the state a little bit, you start claiming everything. Everything is, Houston. is Texas. And I was like, "Oh, he's from El Paso, and no, no, that's just Greater Houston." It's just, just the outermost area. You claim all that. All right, DB. <laughs> we've had a lot of. Uh, the Texans have had a lot, a lot of changes. I don't know if that's the right way of saying it. Changes, additions, movements, all kinds of things this offseason. So I figured you and I could do – we could kind of take those changes in totality in some sense and kind of rate the impact of those changes. For example, Texas made Tim Kelly their offensive coordinator this offseason. On a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being this is earth-shattering, this is going to change everything 2019 going forward – one being, this is little to no impact. It is, you know, a gnat hitting an elephant sort of thing. <laughs> That's the kind of way I describe it. hitting an elephant, okay. So we're going to look at some of these individual changes, and maybe there's one that I don't hit on that maybe you can throw in if you'd want to. But let's start with that one. Okay. You rank okay. on a scale of 1 to 10. Texans make Tim Kelly the offensive coordinator for this Texan squad. 2019, 
and hopefully beyond. I when when ranking things, I'm one of those people that you know when it's. Uh, very excited or not excited at all. Like I always go one extreme or the other. Okay. I never, I, ne- I hardly ever pick neutral, and I don't. I think that's just my personality. Yeah. But I feel like this game is going to go in that direction. <laughs> I think that you know this is going to be on the lower end of the scale, like maybe a two to three. Okay. Just because I think and Tim Kelly's been here, I don't think you're going to see some major earth-shattering changes in the offense. I think what it does allow for is Bill O'Brien having you know just more capacity to handle other aspects of the game Mm -hmm. because now he's got an offensive coordinator. Now he's talked about the play calling and I don't think it's a hundred percent going to be Tim Kelly week one. You know, maybe there'll be like, maybe it'll be percentage that as the season goes along, it'll gradually become more and more. But I think week one, when the season starts, I would put this at about a two or three, I think things are going to sort of plug and chug along the way that they've been going, but Bill O'Brien's going to have a little bit more, uh, a capability to do more throughout a game with I, with an offensive coordinator, and I think he's needed that because he's been shouldering a lot of responsibility with an off the offense once George Godsey left, yeah, not hiring someone. So yeah. uh, that's that's where I would put that. I I tend to agree with you on that. The only thing is, is if at some point he does become the play caller, then then yeah, then then you're right, then it goes up. But I think I but think week, right now week one that's not going to happen. No, I agree with you. I, I, I'm curious to see how that transpires, if, when, and if that does transpire. When does he give him the opportunity mm-hmm. to call play, Coach O'Brien? Give Tim Kelly the opportunity to call the plays. That that to me is when the impact is going to be felt. Like oh, all right, well let's see. All those years of doodling on a napkin, uh, you know that's, <laughs> that's you always say. Okay, here's here's another one. Stand in coaching realm. Carl Smith is named the quarterback's coach. And the quarterback room now includes Deshaun Watson, A.J. McCarron, and Joe Webb. Carl Smith named the quarterback's coach. What do you think the impact oh, is? Oh, I, you know, this, I'm excited about this. And I, and I, I loved Sean Ryan. I love Sean Ryan here yeah. as a coach, as a person. I thought he, I thought he did a great job. So this is you know, no slight to him, but I think Carl Smith is going to be more like a, a seven, uh, a little more impactful, I yep. think seven to eight, because just, I, he's just had so much experience. I think he just sees things differently having come from, you know, a world of coaching and, and yep. seeing so many different quarterbacks. What he's able to do with Russell Wilson, I think a lot of that can apply to Deshaun Watson. Absolutely. And I think Deshaun is, is even more talented, has even more raw talent than Russell Wilson. So I'm excited to see what he's able to bring to the to that quarterback's room. And then yep. you're right, A.J. McCarron in there, it's, it's a different room already. Yeah. So – I, I think that that's going to be impactful. I'm I'm really I know that when that was announced, a lot of people on social media were super excited about yep. Carl Smith being the quarterbacks coach. Man, he's had a hand in a lot of different quarterbacks. Absolutely, a lot. And that was one of the things that I loved because when you have when you have that many quarterbacks, and he's had all different types. He's had guys in college. He's had guys that were you know been in the league for a while. He's had guys that he started with rookies and went all the way through like Russell Wilson. So he's had to at times adapt. That's one of the things I love about coaching in some sense, especially when you've done it for a while. You What worked for Russell Wilson may not have worked for Drew Bledsoe, but what worked for Drew Bledsoe that didn't work for Russell Wilson might work with Deshaun Watson. Sure. But you've got all of that to kind of pull from, like, okay, that technique didn't really work with Deshaun, but let me tweak it like I did when I was coaching Chuck Fusina way back in the day. and maybe So he's got all that experience that I think – Ends up making him a pretty good fit for Deshaun. And one other thing I, I think about him is he's very calm. 
That's the one thing I read. Very level-headed. Like he never, he you know, even Does if you've had rattled. the worst game ever, you know, he's a good balance for these yep. guys. Like, I all right, that, that wasn't yes, your best absolutely. game. This was, and you know what? With Bill O'Brien, I think that's a that's I a nice a tandem. Good, uh, absolutely, yeah. I agree with you. Yin and yang. Okay, here's one, and I feel like this is one that's sort of it kind of went on the radar because the the out of sight, out of mind thing, especially now in our society, like if you don't see it happen on social media, then it just didn't happen. It never happened. It right. never happened. And it really just fell under the radar because he had been hurt. He got hurt in that first game. Chantrell Henderson re-signing with the Texans. 1-10, to 10, what's the impact of that, you think? Well, I think it. I think that's a range. It, it could be nothing, you know, if he gets hurt again, obviously. Yeah. And but that's I think the it, worry, obviously, after two years. I mean, he was back healthy back in 2017. Right. But And he was kind of the third offensive lineman there with Buffalo. And then obviously gets hurt in 2017. But he's had a history of being banged up. And I think that's that's my worry, obviously. So. But if, if he does stay healthy, yeah. I would put him on the higher end of it. I'd put him Absolutely. at a six or a seven just because I know in OTAs and camp how much they really liked what they saw from him on the field, his footwork, he's big. I mean, he's humongous, but then he also, the way he, he moved yeah. and how, you know, he moves like a smaller guy. For yeah. Sure. It was, you know, he had a, a finesse about him. I think yeah. that nobody really expected, but I think that if he is healthy, if you've got a bunch of younger offensive linemen, let's say you draft a few, you've got, you know, the Wiley veteran in there and all the younger guys really took to Sean Trail Henderson. What'd they call yes. him? Big trail, big trail, big trail had a sense of humor. He's, you know, experienced. He's, he's looking to make that shot. I think that, based on whatever the potential that they saw in him last year, Mike Devlin, Coach O'Brien, you know, he, he could make an impact, but I think it's really going to depend on his health. So I know yep. I gave you zero answer there. No. I, I gave but you between I a two and a six. <laughs> but I think it's right. I think if he if he's banged up, whether it's a full season injury or not, like if he's just you know nagging injuries, things like that, then I think his impact is going to be muted. But I think if he's healthy, you mentioned it. When he walked through that door, when we signed him uh, in 2018, initially, and I remember him coming through, and it was the first day of the, the NCAA basketball tournament. We were getting players as they were signing, and he walked through, and I swear to you, he blocked an entire doorway. He was as big as that like, doorway. He's a house, and he <laughs> moves pretty well for being right. being that big. So those are all additions. So I'll never forget in training camp. Do you remember that day where it was pouring down rain and all the guys were, oh, uh, they were, they were slipping, sliding, sl- yeah. sliding in the mud? Yeah. Okay, Big Trail took a big dive, yeah, and, yeah. and, the, and the, the team went bananas. Yeah. He's humongous, and he slid all the way across the field. He's, he's so big. <laughs> he's so big. And so athletic. I mean, he could be – I mean, I think, I think you're dead on. I think that's the way to look at it because I think his impact, even beyond a six or seven, if he ends up staying healthy, I mean, it could be a seven or eight to take over – a tackle position. And look, I think Kendall I think Kendall did a, a solid job last year. I don't think he was tremendous. I don't think he was great in a run game, but Kendall got to a point where he was protecting all right on the right side. He was doing okay. But I think with Chantrell, you get a lot more in the run game. And I think that's going to end up helping him. He can knock people off the ball a little bit. We saw that in training camp. We saw it in some of the preseason games as well. Um, even though he didn't play a ton of reps. So I think that's going to be big. So now those are all additions. Let's look at a subtraction. The impact of losing Kareem Jackson. Well, KJAC TV's ratings well, are going to be zero. Yes. I mean, let's just put that out there. I don't care where he went. It's not going to be the same. Do you think they're going to try and do it in Denver? I don't think they can do it, Johnny, and I'm not being biased at all. I just think they can't. <laughs> How could they? How could they replicate what we put our – 
blood, sweat, and tears into. No, I mean, I think what he built up in this locker room being the most seasoned, most veteran guy, yeah. most tenured veteran uh, mm-hmm. on defense, you know, he just had a relationship with these guys that he's not going to have in Denver. I know he's going to go there and keep his keep his head down and work really hard and all that, but I think what he, the relationship he had in this locker room, the way he yeah. would joke around with DeAndre and with J.J., I mean, he's not – it's going to take him – it's going to take him nine years to build that over there. So uh, that aside, I I do think – I think the impact is going to be felt because I don't think it's easy to replace a guy like Kareem. And yep. I, I really liked what he was doing last year at safety. A great year. It was unfortunate with, that with all the injuries he had to play cornerback as well because we all sort of knew that – I think for the last few years, we're waiting for him to transition to right, safety. Right. I mean, and how he, many times did we talk about we had talked that? To, and do you know the, the thing that actually made him transition to safety was, ironically, when Andre Hal was diagnosed with the Hodgkin's lymphoma. Yeah. I asked Kareem, I said, so when did they actually talk to you about it? He said it was during OTAs when the news about Hal came out. That's yeah. when they said, okay, we're going to need you to move to safety. So, you know, I don't know if they would have ever made that move if Hal had stayed healthy. Who knows? You, yeah. you can't go back and, <laughs> and see what the, what the past would bring. But, I, you know, I, I think it's... I think that's going to be a a seven. You know, I think I think I don't think you're wrong in that because you look a guy that has started from day one. Yeah, and he's so versatile. And I do think there's going to be some impact felt from Kareem leaving. I don't. I don't think there's. He had his growing pains in in year one and year two. It took him a while, and I think whoever you draft, these younger guys are going to have to go through that same thing. Like we saw what Kareem went through. That. What does Mark call it? The, the tale of Kareem Jackson, like 2010, <laughs> how fans turned oh, against gosh. him. And he, and he's and Kareem used to talk about it, too. Like, he he really went through a lot of adversity. It was so frustrating to, to, to listen was. to fans over the last few years because they would always harken back to that rookie year. And it's like, yo, he's been in the league. He's a different. Nine, he's you know, a totally different, years. different like, player. He's a different guy and a different player. But you get you get kind of caught on those first, you know, initial perceptions. You know, your first impression is the one that always stays with you, which is unfortunate because, you know, for him he got put in a secondary that was really young in 2010, and then he started to climb out of it in 2011. He had J. Joe. He started learning from J. Joe, and he started doing some great things, you know, starting in 2011, and it got better and better. And I remember 2014 when I got in the building and people were like, oh, Kareem Jackson, he's – I'm like, are you all, are y'all watching him? Are y'all watching I mean, he what he's doing? Machine. So I, you, I think if he's if the if the impact is lessened a little bit, it's just that you I get don't a, think maybe, it's maybe, gonna... maybe you draft a guy that's an instant instant contributor. Well, you, know, you get somebody in the first or second round. I mean, that, that would just be fantastic. I mean, that would be that would be dream. a dream come true. And then you know what? His the the impact of the loss felt by Kareem would drop. But I'm going to miss seeing him and JJ walk out. DP, I appreciate you coming by. Thanks, Thank Johnny. You. Coming up next. It's our buddy, C-Level. Chris Level, the color analyst for Texas Tech basketball. He's also the sideline reporter for Texas Tech football. they got a big one coming up in a couple hours. We'll talk about that next right here on Texans All Access. Welcome back to a Monday edition, a national championship game Monday edition. How about that? I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst and sideline reporter, but I'm a huge basketball fan and even more so a fan of our next guest, and he is the color analyst for Texas Tech basketball. He's a sideline reporter for Texas Tech football. He's a good friend of mine. He is in Minneapolis. He's trying to get his thoughts together, but he decided to spend a few minutes with us, and he is Chris Level. Chris Level, how are you doing, my man? I'm doing good, man. I mean, this is uh, it's been quite the journey with uh, this coach and uh, these kids, and it's just it's an unbelievable experience up in Minneapolis, and they just keep winning basketball games against really good teams and really good coaches, and they've got 40 more minutes uh, for something special. But uh, man, yeah, and I'll never forget. Uh, I'll never forget March and 
I guess, April of 2019 for as long as I live. You tweeted out a picture on Saturday, Chris, from where you guys are stationed right there at court level. And I think I had the same thought, like, in, in our in our worlds, you know, I think about for us in the NFL, like, going to a Super Bowl, like, what that must be like, like, taking that picture from the sideline. And I thought about that for you. Did you ever, in your wildest imagination, being around the program, football, basketball, like you have, did you ever feel like this could ever happen? I mean, I know you thought it probably could, maybe, but to see it actually come to fruition, did you ever think it would be like this? No. Yeah, I mean, I'd be lying if I told you otherwise. <laughs> I, and, and that's the thing about Beard. I mean, is is he, he talks about coaching on a Monday night all the time, he, even at times when you're thinking he's he's got to be the only one on planet Earth that may really believe this. But but he he just verbalizes those things, and I knew this team was was good. I mean, when they went up to Ames, Iowa, and they, they handled their business against Iowa State, Cobra yep. went for 30 points, and you come back with, you know, at least a share of the conference championship, which was monumental, considering Kansas had won the thing 14 years in a row. You know, I, I knew that, okay, they, they have a chance to do something special, but I just – this tournament is set up to where it's really difficult to get that done. It, yep. it, it's not a matter of just being good or even being lucky or – you know, all of these things. I mean, you're, you're playing at neutral sites. I mean, you, you can slip up for a couple of minutes in one of these games and it's over. And and that's why, you know, it's just this is the hardest postseason to try to maneuver your way through. And we've seen it for years. Great teams and great coaches that are maybe the best teams or whatever, somebody's opinion, just don't get to this point. But they are 40 minutes away from something that, that is life-changing. Chris, uh, I want to talk about Culver in a second because obviously a Texan playing for Texas Tech has got to matter. But you got a young man from Wakanda, Illinois, who came to this program. And it's so funny because the first time that I watched Matt Mooney, I said, that was me as a basketball player. Like, I watched Mooney and everything he does. I was like, that's the exact, that's the epitome of me playing basketball. And the other night when Culver can't get one down at all, Mooney is the one who saved them. How big has he been this year transferring to Texas Tech? Yeah, I mean, for, for him to pick that night to just have one of the biggest games of his career just really summed up who Matt is. I mean, he, uh, he he's kind of got an old man game in many ways, and he wears the wristbands, he's got the old school haircut, and he's just a gym rat. And he takes it takes a long time for him to stretch and get loosened up and all those different things. But, man, he, he has been such an addition to this team. He bought into the culture. And, and just the team concept and, and what they want to do defensively uh, from the time that he got on campus. And, and he's one of the best defenders in the Big 12 Conference. I think he, people are starting to see that. But some of the shot making the other night, I mean, and, and the first thing I think of when he pulls up four feet behind the arc, I'm like, well, he just put himself on the one shining moment video with that. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's just stuff like that. That That's just uh, it's just special. And you're right. And it was needed. I mean, he, he had to carry the load. Michigan State was doing a really good job on Jarrett, and he saw two to two and a half defenders every time he would touch the ball, and you know really just didn't play well. And and I think Matt was there to pick up the slack and then some. But uh, Jarrett hits a big three uh, to put you up seven. Uh, it was a bit of a dagger at the very end of the game, uh, but but it was Matt that got you to the point where, where that dagger you know had an opportunity to be shot and made uh, by Jarrett. So that's the beauty of this team. I mean, they're just kind of been put together quickly and and, they, and they're such a fun team bunch of good kids but Matt man he's the head of the list when 
That shot goes through Jared Culver's shot, uh, Chris. And when I was watching the game and and I'm seeing, like, man, Culver can't get in this and watch. If he's the player I think he is, he'll do something near the end of this game. When that shot goes in, what are your emotions knowing at that point you're probably going to win that game? What are you feeling right there at courtside when that shot goes through from Culver for the three? Don't don't say something stupid <laughs> on the microphone <laughs> because that's when that's when it starts to sink in, and then like seconds later, Tom Izzo subbing guys from the end of his bench into the game, and then the game's over. And yeah, you, you're I'm still in in, in shock at, at some level that that we're we're here, um, and that that they have a chance to to do this. But but it, it it's these moments have just been so special, and you you get a little emotional because Jarrett, I mean. Jarrett's a local kid. His yeah. dad is the team chaplain. You know, when, when Beard got the job, the first thing he did is call Jared his family, and he rallied the, the staff together, and they went Jared's dad's church that next Sunday morning. And, you know, it's just like it's kind of stuff of fairy tale, right? I mean, yeah. it's not – it's just it's just pure, if that makes sense. And for him to at least have a moment like that, because he's carried this team so many nights, John. And people that watch this thing, he's going to be able to repick. But, but he's still selfless, and I, I was glad for him that he had that moment. But, yeah, it takes your breath away a little bit, if I'm being honest. And I was just trying not to don't say anything, Tom, Chris. You're talking to yourself like you don't have nothing profound to say. Just keep your mouth shut and let the crowd do the talking. Yeah, the crowd definitely did some talking. Chris, where does, where does this rank? I, I remember we talked to you uh, the Wednesday after Graham Harold and Michael Crabtree against University of Texas, and, and that was just an unbelievable ball game. It was an unbelievable moment. That so many in, in Lubbock, in fact, uh, Drew Doherty was telling me a story off the air about all the people that were in Lubbock that all went partying after that game. This is a different, this is a different animal. First of all, it's basketball. Second of all, it's in Minneapolis, but it's on such a grand national stage. Where does this rank in, in kind of your lifetime uh, you know, following Texas Tech? Is this number one? Is this right up there at the top? Or is this right there with that 2008 Texas game? No, I, I think this is this is big, uh, bigger, and, and probably the biggest one in the athletic department's history. Uh, just because, you know, that that year in football, you, you know, you, you came away with no hardware basically, right. and there was no conference championship. There was no, um, you, you shared the, the division title with two other teams, but this one, I mean, you're conference champion. You, you go to the final four, and there's two teams playing the sport right now, and you're one of them. And then regardless of what happens against Virginia, I mean, this team stands alone as, you know, and you've gone to College World Series in three of the last five years, hadn't been able to do too much when you've gotten there. This is just different. And and because of the way the postseason is laid out, it's very difficult to get this done. But, uh, you know, and you, you mix in all of the things that go with it. I mean, Beard being, being a, a Lubbock guy for 13 years is a longtime assistant that's coming back to take the head coach and being led by the local kid and Jarrett Culver. I mean, on and on it goes. But, uh I mean, I just uh, regardless of what happens, I know Lubbock will want to give these kids a big hug when they get back, and they they deserve it because this has been very special and quite the journey. It's been very cool, and obviously you're my buddy, so I'm I'm concerned about you in some sense. And concern is not the right word, but how are your emotions right now? I mean, you're a few hours away from being able to call a national championship basketball game for your university. What what are your emotions right now? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to either stay focused and you try not to let your mind wander a little bit and you're trying to, you know, be prepared. Um, so like I've read over my game notes and just my, my prep, uh, you know, six different times and, 
you know, I just need to get into the stadium and just kind of settle down a little bit and just kind of focus. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's an honor to get to do what we, you know, guys like us do in broadcasting and be a part of, of special things. And, it, and they're rare, uh, as we talked about. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I'm just, uh, you know, I just try not to let my mind wander too much from, from the possible result either way, just because, uh, you know, I just got back from the last shoot around at U.S. Bank Stadium, which is the last shoot around of the season. And, uh, you know, there'll be a lot of emotions one way or the other tonight. But I just, yeah, I don't even know what to think if they, they, they're able to pull this thing off. Chris Level, color analyst for Texas Tech basketball. You hear him tonight on the call. He's also a silent reporter for Texas Tech football. And real quick, Chris, while I got you, Matt Wells, head coach, I know you've been involved in basketball, but what's the feeling in Lubbock about Matt taking over the program? Yeah, and he's here, John. He was here Saturday. He stayed over. They, they actually adjusted one of their spring practices and moved it uh, to tomorrow. So he's going to be at the title game tonight, too. Great guy. Um, he, he's, he's very fiery, uh, very family-oriented. Uh, it, it's very clear on how they uh, were able to be so successful uh, up in Utah State, which is not an easy place to recruit to. Big fan of his. They, they, they know they just have to start winning some recruiting battles. If they get that done, I mean, they'll, they'll be right there in the thick of things in the Big 12 Conference. And as long as they keep Alan Bowman healthy, that'll ha- happen sooner than later. Chris Lovell, you hear him tonight on the broadcast. My brother, keep hope alive, and uh, hopefully get a chance to talk to you when you guys are bringing home a trophy later on. My man, I appreciate it. We'll be happy to do it. And uh, just 40 more minutes, man. We'll see if we can get it done. So glad to have Chris join me from Minneapolis about the game tonight. Talk a little bit about Matt Wells and the football program. Great stuff going on and a great guy there. Keep hope alive. Speaking of, one of Lubbock's former sports analysts is Drew Doherty. He's going to join me next right here on Texans All Access. One final segment of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris, and I've saved Drew Doherty for last. What's going on? Like the Vanessa Williams song. Sometimes the snow comes. Yeah, that one. What does that have to do with you? You go and save on? the best for last. That's oh. the name of the song, John. I love that song, Where's your mid-90s just... pop knowledge? No, I love, pop I love knowledge. Vanessa Williams. I love yeah. that song. Actually, I like a song that she did better with Brian McKnight, mm-hmm. which was very, very good. But, yeah, I should have I should have known that. Yep. Yeah, I should have gone from uh, yeah. yeah Miss USA to Disgraced Miss USA to Pop, star. pop Superstar mm-hmm. to Actress. She's yeah. kind of done it all. Yep. She's kind of done it all. Uh, we just had on, or I just had on last segment, uh, my buddy Chris Lovell and a good buddy of yours. Good friend of mine, man, from my Lubbock days, yeah. 05 to 09. Chris and I did a lot of TV, a lot of radio together, ate a lot of Ruby Tequila's Mexican food lunches together he's a good dude he is he's a great dude and since you were out there how i don't want to use the word implausible but when how implausible is this to be playing for national championship in about an hour and a half it is wild when i was out there it was the last three years of bob knight and the one year of his son pat pat yeah and i was there for the last it was the last tournament team that Bob Knight ever coached, and they they got bounced in the first round by BC. Yeah, I go seven around there. Uh, you know, before that, he'd taken them to the Sweet Sixteen, but that was as far as Tech had ever gotten was the Sweet Sixteen. Yeah, you know, and I mean Chris Beard, who was there as an assistant, he was with Knight, right? Th- you cannot underscore enough how amazing this guy is. I mean, he is a hell of yeah. a coach. He was an impressive guy back then. I don't know that I could have seen this coming though. Yeah, I mean, but. Golly, what they've what he's got them doing, it's wild, wild. I, I mean, mean they to be playing for a national championship, Mich- Michigan State the other night. The know? last, the last time 
Now, not counting Baylor's runs in the uh, in the women's championship. Congratulations to the Baylor Bears mm-hmm. because the women won a national championship yesterday. So I'm sure John McClain very very excited about that. But just staying on the the men's side in football and basketball, I can't remember a team from the state of Texas playing for a championship. The only one I could think of was Texas and Texas in '09. Yeah. When they played Alabama, mm-hmm. Colt McCoy got hit in the arm and missed yeah. the rest of the game. That's the last time I remember a, a school from the state of Texas playing for a national championship. Yeah, and in basketball, you got to go what back to U of H. U of H. Got to go back to U of H. Five Slamma Jamma U of H. Yeah, Five Slamma Jamma U of H. And then the only Texas school to have won Texas Western was when UTEP, UTEP yeah. was Texas Western. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's incredible to think about that he's gotten. That this program to that point where mm-hmm. they're playing for a national championship. And it, it's astounding. It's not a band of misfits, no. but one of their best players is from South Dakota, transferred from South Dakota. The other one transferred from St. John's. Uh, that was, a, I think, Texas, the third or fourth school he's been at. You got the Jer- Italian guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when they announced him the other day, I always just thought it was David Moretti. I didn't think much of it. And then when Jim Nance pronounced his name, I went, what? And they said he was from Italy. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. That makes total sense. Jared Culver, a local kid. Mm-hmm. I mean, it it's really kind of interesting what he, what Chris Beard has built there. Amazing. But to see them playing a national championship tonight, it's, it's going to be. I want to make sure I say this right. It's going to be surreal. Mm-hmm. It's going to be surreal. I mean, just watching him in the Final Four game was surreal. Like, hey, that's Michigan State. Like, you know, here's your participation trophy. Like, you made it to the Final Four. Great, Michigan State will beat you. And move on. And then. They just locked Michigan State up. Yeah. I mean, they just locked them up. I mean, when I was there, I was the last team that I covered was that 08, you know, Crabtree, Graham Harrell mm-hmm. team that all, you know, they they were a, a game or two away from playing for a national title. They got smoked by yep. Oklahoma when they were 10 and 0. Right. And then uh, they lost their bowl game to Ole Miss, but they were that was a really good team. And you know, baseball and basketball kind of scuffled and struggled. Right. Now it's a flip. I mean, baseball's been to the the College World Series the last few yep. years, and then you got what's going on with the the, the basketball team tonight. It's it's wild. It's I almost wild to see. I almost texted uh, Chris after the win over Gonzaga, and just is this the greatest win in Tech athletic history? And then I immediately thought of 2008, the win over Texas, mm-hmm. because yes, that was not for a national championship. That was not to get to the Final Four, but that was such a and let me. Kind that of, was such a foundational win. And then let me set it up again, like a little bit more. So that was, yet Friday night was Halloween. Yeah. And then, no, no, Thursday night was Halloween. Friday game day was there, and then Saturday night it was a night game. Yep. Both teams were undefeated at ten and zero, and Tech wins. But then they win, and in like, it seats what sixty, seventy thousand that stadium. Yeah. That night, though, there were 150,000 people in, like, within a, a quarter-mile radius of that stadium. People tailgating, just having oh fun. Oh, my gosh. So all those people, after they win, they go out and party. And it was daylight savings time, so they got an extra hour at the bars. <laughs> so they were living it up, having an awesome time. It was just like the perfect storm weekend, you know? I, I mean, I would think that's the – that's got to be the greatest football win they've had. I would, th- yeah, I would think so. I, I mean, I don't, I'm not going to profess myself if, to be a tech historian, but if that you was win, if they awesome. win the national championship tonight, it's got to take. Does it take precedence? Yeah, yeah, I would think so. Yeah, it's a national title. I would think yeah. so. I mean, the women won one when Cheryl Swoops was just dominating. Mm-hmm. 
but that were that was back in the days when I was in college. It was a long mm-hmm. time ago when that was going on. Yeah, this this but, is remarkable. It's good hearing Chris Level on the radio. I love C Level having him on. We'll have him on a little bit more. Just talking ball. They've got a new football. We talked about that just a little bit. Talking about football. I know he's so locked in on basketball right now, but uh, he's a sideline reporter for football, as we mm-hmm. mentioned. So we talked a little bit about that as well. We're also going to talk about Mark Vandermeer. He's not here, so he can't defend himself, so this is the best time to talk about it. He came out with Vandermeer's view, his Vandermock yep. 2.0. Now, you have been looking at the mock draft survey. You've been uh, – what version are you on now? Nine? Oh, no, it's up in the dozens now, man. Like it's, 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 yeah, it's like in the teens, yeah. I think. Yeah. And a lot of people obviously have the Texans taking an offensive lineman to start. Last mock, Vandermock, he, Mark, had – the Texas taking Greedy Williams, mm-hmm. which at the time I was like, Mark, if that happens, I will be so excited. Drew, I've seen more and more people having Greedy Williams moving down draft boards. Mm-hmm. And I find the timing of it to be interesting because the people that are good at doing these mock drafts, they get a lot of information from NFL people. And this is that time of the year where the coaches have gotten involved in this. So... I wonder if the coaches have looked at it and said, no, man, he's just not my cup of tea. And sort of that 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 feeling is maybe filtering out to some media members. So when I said that to Mark you know, a month ago or whenever we talked about Vandermock number one, I didn't think Greedy Williams was going to be there. Mm-hmm. I think that he might be there. I yeah, think he might be there at 23. You know, you, you say that and – I, he's on five mock drafts right now that have the Texans taking Greedy Williams hmm, out of out of fifty, but five of them have, and yeah. there's some prominent ones that have him. Well, there were there. some that didn't have any. I think, I think, I mean, I don't know that he's gonna slide that far, but I think the reason these mock drafters are thinking he might slide that far is just his stature. Yeah, you know they they kind of compare him to Kevin Johnson, maybe right, different player, but they think he might be a little slight, so. I guess, but you know, if you can cover a guy, it doesn't really matter how. I'm with you on that. Now, in Vandermock 2.0, it's a difference. No greedy this time. No greedy. He actually went back to the offensive lineman. Stayed went, with the same last name though. Yeah, Jonah Williams. That's cool with me. I'd be totally fine with that. I don't think it's going to happen. In fact, I would be if his first three picks hit. Two of them in particular. But if his first three picks hit in the Vandermock, so he's got Jonah Williams number one. Mm-hmm. In the second round, with back-to-back picks, 54 and 55, he's got Isaiah Johnson, a corner from the University of Houston, hmm. and he's got Caleb McGarry with pick number 55, the right tackle guy, man. from the University of Washington, who I spent some time with at the Senior Bowl and have watched. And I, In fact, it wasn't probably a week or so ago that I went back and I watched the Rose Bowl again. I was like, okay, he's starting, he's starting to kind of – he's kind of made his way up. People are starting to think about him. Maybe not at the back end of the first round – they're starting to think about him in that, yeah. that top 40 range. He's been on a mock draft in the first round of the Texans. Yeah, I'm not going to be surprised, and I, I watched it again. You can see some of the things that are issues right now, but I think it's things that he can be coached out of. But you also see the athleticism he has. You also see the strength that he has. Mm-hmm. And some of the things that he does to guys when he gets his hands on them, it's pretty, pretty incredible. But Jonah Williams... Caleb McGarry, like a very well be your tackle tandem for a, for a long time if you're able to get if you're able to draft those two guys. Now the question becomes for Jonah: Does he end up moving to guard at some point? I would think if the Texans were able to draft Jonah Williams, 
they would want him to compete at, at left tackle at least to start. That's yeah, my guess. Yeah, like he seems more than capable of, of competing at left tackle, and he held his own against the good pass rushers of the SEC. True. He can move, and he can move like a guard. You know, I mean, you see him doing all that stuff. But, yeah, I understand how people want to move him inside a guard, but I think he's more than capable of playing left tackle and, you know, helping you out there. Yeah, I think so too. Isaiah Johnson's a corner from the University of Houston. So. It's an interesting pick. What was his rationale there? I don't know. I mean, just the Texans needed to get a corner, and that was probably about the right way to go. So oh, here's yeah, what he yeah. said about uh, Isaiah Johnson. Just because I really enjoy going to Kooks Hoops games this year and I actually purchased some gear doesn't mean I'm pandering to their fans. Johnson is a really good player. It seemed like the entire NFL showed up at Pro Day. It did. To see Ed Oliver, but Johnson was far more on the sideshow. He got, he's got size. He's 6'2", 208, and runs a 4'4". Sounds good to me. He does. <clears throat> he runs very, very well, and That's he's impressive. He stood from about me to you, about three feet away. And as I was there at the at pro day, I was like, "Whoa, he! This is a corner! Wow! I mean, he makes you makes you think back to those Seattle corners when they had Richard Sherman and Brandon mm-hmm. Brown. And I mean, those guys looked like, you know, they were they're shooting guards in the NBA. That's kind of how they were built. But uh, I thought of all the there were at Houston pro day. My gosh, the luminaries that were there. I mean, it was incredible. I, I I've never seen even at Johnny's pro day. Yeah, I mean, we saw we saw scouts. But I don't remember seeing that many GM you coaches saw a lot like of, I did. And you saw a lot Oliver's. of GM head coaches like in tandem there, not just yeah. one or the other, not right. just a GM from this team and right. a head coach. You saw the GM and the head coach from one team, right. what, three, four, five times over? Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Which is not – that's not a, a, ra- a normal thing. And I saw one defensive coordinator. There might have been others, but I recognized one, and that was Chris – he's not defensive coordinator. He's a secondary coach, but he's the defensive play caller for the Cowboys, and that's Chris uh, Richard. Mm-hmm. And he coached the Seattle corners. He was the yeah. secondary coach up in Seattle, and apparently he was part of the workout for Isaiah Johnson. I had to come back here and do radio with you, so I missed that that part of the workout because that was the very, very end. Yeah. And so I missed that, but apparently uh, Richard ended up working out Isaiah Johnson, and I'm like, man, Dallas has picked the second round, and that's probably about where – but I'm thinking, man, Dallas has spent a lot of draft capital on defensive backs lately – but that was the one guy that ended up working out Isaiah Johnson. But I could see us absolutely being interested in six two two oh eight running a four. Sure. Sure. I mean, I would think that's absolutely somebody we would we would be excited about. Uh so Jonah Williams, second round, Isaiah Johnson, Caleb McGarry, third round. He's got Miles Sanders from Penn State. A the running, running back. back, yeah. I could see a running back going in the third round of the t- I don't know if it'll be that guy, but I yeah. could see the Texans spending draft capital and kind of significant draft capital on one because you've only got two right now. You've got Lamar Miller and you've got De- uh, Deontay Foreman. The so, other guys that you have under contract. Under I mean, co- yeah, guys that those guys no, mainly play no, I know. Well, special I gonna, teams and, and have limited experience. But right. Yeah. Buddy Howell never played off at the snap last year. Yeah. It's hugely important to you mm-hmm. because he ended up playing on special teams. Miles Sanders would be a very interesting prospect. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. I think when my third version of the Harris 100 comes out, he'll probably be, he'll probably be in the uh, high 60, low 70 range, probably oh, okay, back okay. into the second round. I think right now I've got him, uh, I think I got him like 80, 81, something like that. But he probably he probably should be higher. I've kind of gone back. My my buddy who's a who's an agent in town, he kind of got in my head about the running backs a little bit in this draft, and I was kind of saying to him, I kind of like some guys and. Maybe I was bound to 
to pressure that had one guy rated ahead of other guys, and he was like, nah, nah, man, you, you know, go with your gut on this. And I was like, eh, you know what, you're right. So I went back to running backs in particular and kind of looked at it, just reassessed where I had everybody. And I know I'm low on Sanders, but he is a really good player. He backed up Saquon Barkley. Mm-hmm. So I know everybody said, well, you know, he did it for one year. He was a really good player when Barkley was there as well. He yeah. just didn't get the opportunity with Barkley. Which is a bit of a – it can be a bit of a, a positive. There's not yeah. as much tread on the tire Right, there. absolutely. So maybe yeah. that's a, a bit of a good thing. Yeah, so. absolutely. So in those first four picks, they come away with two tackles or a tackle and a guard, depending on how you look at Jonah Williams, a corner and a running back. Is that about right? I could see that. I could see that. I think if you were to get that. That'd be great. I don't think it'll be in that order. I don't, yeah, I, don't, I mean, I don't, I don't know. know. Be that order, but I could see maybe one of those guys going to the Texans. But uh, yeah, I, I'd I'd take that. Do you think you get Jonah Williams? I think that's a the rest yeah. of it's just like a win. You know, I, really I think matter. so too. I think the one thing about Jonah Williams, Drew, that and and we've talked about this a little bit, but Jonah Williams is our kind of guy. Mm-hmm. You think about the locker room and you think about what they want to have, what the what the brass wants to have, Brian Gannon, Bill O'Brien want to have in this locker room, what Janice McNair and Cal McNair want to have in this locker room. Jonah Williams is that and then some. Like, he is a film guy. Like, he wants to go study film. He is first in, last to leave. Like, he is the perfect Texan from that particular angle. Mm-hmm. So, it would, be kind of, it would be nice to have him uh, in the building. And McGarry is – McGarry's story, like the adversity that he's gone through to get where he is, is it, it's unbelievable. And you've talked, you've talked with me off off the air about what he's doing to get ready or yeah. how he was getting ready for the NFL. I right. notice I didn't say the combine; right. I said the exactly. NFL because he's not done the typical, you know, pre combine prep right. that, that a lot of these guys, most of these guys, almost all of these guys do. Yeah, exactly. He's going to learn how to be an NFL player, mm-hmm. not to go learn how to master the combine, if you will. Yeah. So later uh, picks for Mark in his Vandermock. He's got the fifth round, Gary Jennings, wide receiver from West Virginia. He's got Ken Webster, really fast corner from Ole Miss. And he's got Nick Scott, a safety, uh, who is also a special teams captain uh, at Penn State. I like Gary Jennings in the fifth round for sure if we end up looking at wide receiver. I, I just – I mean, I, I know that people talk about wide receivers – I think if there was any change I would have in the first four picks, and I kind of started with this, and then, um, and then we kind of got on something else. But Dre Howe retiring, how much do you think that changes? Do you think that a, a possible safety goes in those top four picks, the top one day, day one, Not, day two picks? Maybe like the second, second rounder, maybe the third. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Yeah, yeah. but it's kind of what those, I think. I think if you were to upgrade two offensive tackle positions. Like that, and that in his mock draft, I think yep. he, you could do that. That'd be cool. Yeah, corner and running back. I wouldn't be surprised if the corner, if it's not a guy like Isaiah Johnson, that the defensive back taken mm-hmm. is kind of does it all. Yeah, you know, like a Darnell Savage type from Maryland, who his position, as I say in air quotes, is safety, but he can do, but he can play nickel. Yeah. Yeah, you know, probably even bump out the corner if you needed him to in a pinch, kind of like Kareem could, something like that. I wouldn't be surprised if that type of player, mm. that's a guy that maybe they add in addition to a perimeter corner. I think they walk out of there with at least two defensive backs out of this draft. And you think they'd look good in the new Texans jersey? Yeah, I think they would. Yeah, new brand spanking. Well, it's not really that new. It's yeah. I mean, technically, it is going to be new. It's new. It's but... going to be a little different. We can't yeah. tell you exactly what the difference is, but it's nothing drastic, friends. But, yeah, they will have new jerseys. Yeah. I mean, it's 
I tried to think of a nice analogy for it, mm. but it's tweaked. Just teensy that's tiny. That's probably the right tweaked. way of putting it. Yeah. It's tweaked. Yeah. That's the best way of saying it. Tweet. Yeah. Not full on. You're not going to go buy a brand new jersey. You'll see them at the draft. They're yeah. going to. They're going to be. You'll see them at the draft when the the players put them on. Mild change. Mm-hmm. Mild change. That's all. Drew, appreciate it, brother. Anytime. And that is your show in the books. Big thanks to DP to Drew, and of course to our guy Chris Level. See you tomorrow. And as always, go Texans.